Today's scripture is Matthew 6, verses 19 through 34. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of a little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We have heard some incredibly challenging things from Jesus in this sermon. The greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. In this sermon, Jesus has described for us a process of discipleship that involves finding our souls impoverished and mourning for our sin that helps us recognize that if we follow Christ on this narrow pathway, we're going to suffer. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reorients our sense of morality. He says we're not just supposed to avoid the the big sins like murder, but the places where those sins begin like anger. Not just the big sins like adultery, but where it begins, lust. Jesus tells us that we are not supposed to be people of retaliation, but instead we are supposed to love our enemies and even pray for those who would persecute us. There have been some hard things to hear in this sermon, but truthfully, church, I think that perhaps some of Christ's hardest teachings are in these two passages we read today. And it's no accident that these two passages are back to back. In the first passage, Jesus talks about wealth, material possessions. And then he moves on to talk about anxiety. Jesus intentionally puts these back to back because he knows that if we spend our time in pursuit of wealth and material possessions, ultimately it will lead to anxiety. And Jesus loves us enough to try and show us a better way. So if you've got your Bibles today, I want to invite you to open them with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 19, where Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust consume and thieves break in and steal. Jesus gives us a command, and then he gives us the rationale behind the command. Don't spend your time creating treasures, seeking treasures here on the earth. Why? Because they won't last. Don't spend time seeking treasures here on the earth because inevitably those treasures we seek out will eventually turn to dust. Jesus says there is a better way. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. Store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. What a beautiful idea, but what does it mean? What does it mean to store up treasures in heaven? Does it mean that if I'm really, really good, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a big screen TV? No, it doesn't mean that. When we get to heaven, one day, when we get to heaven, I believe that we are going to be overcome. We're going to be overcome by the grace and the majesty of God. We're going to be overcome by God's love. We're going to be overcome by the sense of completeness. Joining together with God, we will find ourselves finally whole again. And as we do, the thing that we are going to want to participate in more than anything else is worship. Part of the reason that I love these moments where God's people gather, rather in person, whether in person or in spirit, is because worship is a foretaste of heaven. There's this interesting series of texts throughout the New Testament. And they talk about the fact that if if we follow the path of Christ, that one day we will receive a crown in glory. Peter talks about it. Paul talks about it, that there is now a, a crown of righteousness in store for him. That's an interesting idea. Why would we need a crown in heaven? But when we get to Revelation, we find out why. In Revelation chapter 4, what we see is that the elders of the church take off their crowns and they cast those crowns at the feet of Jesus Christ. The treasures of the earth will turn to rust and dust. But if we follow the way of Christ, loving God, loving our neighbors, even loving our enemies, then we are storing up glory that one day we will be able to give as an offering to God. Jesus says, do not waste your time on the treasures of this earth that will turn to dust. Instead, instead, make your pursuit those treasures of heaven. Storing up the glory that we will one day be able to heap as an offering at the feet of the living God. And then Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My grandfather was an amazing man. His name was Jack McCandless. He wasn't amazing because of his remarkable accomplishments. He was amazing because of the type of man he was, the way he lived his life. He was a man of kindness and and joy, simple pleasure. Lived his entire life in southern Indiana. I can still remember on the recesses of my memory, watching my granddad go out in the mornings and get in his old beat-up pickup truck with his metal lunchbox. 
My grandpa Jack passed away when I was a freshman in college. I was 19 years old. We went to his funeral and my grandmother asked me if I would read a poem that my grandfather had written about heaven. It was a really amazing experience, a tough, tough thing to do, but a great honor. And I still remember that essentially the content of that poem my grandfather wrote was he said, don't mourn for me. Because as I leave you, I am going to follow my heart. Don't mourn for me because I am going home. Church, we are not a people of this land. This world is not our home. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Now, we have a mission to accomplish while we're here, that's for certain. But this world is not our home. I wonder... Have we been treating it as if it is? Pursuing wealth, pursuing material possessions, pursuing those things that will turn to dust. Have we mistakenly forgotten that this world is not our home? I'm just reminded of the fact that I served in the, when I served in the military, I had the opportunity to, to go on four different deployments to the Middle East. I know many of you in this community have been on one side or the other of that. Either you've been on deployment or you have been waiting for someone to come home from a deployment. That's a tough season. But as one who goes, you know that you have a mission to accomplish. And I can remember going there and having a sense of pride in the mission that I was called to accomplish. And yet, as my time grew short, there was this intense longing to come back to my home again. Some of you recently returned from uh, deployments. You can remember vividly that longing to come home again because we knew, we knew that that place wasn't our home. That wasn't where we belonged, that there was somewhere else. Jesus is reminding us here that this world's not our home. So don't put your treasures here. And then he goes on to say this. In verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Let's stop there for just a second. That's a curious statement. The eye is the lamp of the body. What does that mean? Well, in our modern scientific context, one of the things we understand is the way light works. As it interacts with our eyes, we know that if it's light outside, we can see things. And, and if it's dark outside, largely we can't see things. But our ancient brothers and sisters thought very differently about this. They thought that the light existed inside of us. And the light inside of us is what gave color and beauty or ugliness to those things around us. Now, of course, scientifically, our understanding is correct. But spiritually, I think their understanding is correct. If my soul is full of light, I'm going to be able to see, to make good judgments. If our desire 
Jesus tells us, if our desire is for things like wealth and material possessions, it's going to limit, even ruin the way we see the world. And that is so true. I think back about the times in my life where I have pursued career advancement or some material thing that I wanted. And what happened as a result was I missed the opportunity to see the blessing God was placing in front of me. Hear me. That doesn't mean God stopped blessing me. It meant because my focus was on something else, I couldn't see the blessing of God. Jesus goes on and he says this, No one can serve two masters. Her slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. We can't serve two masters. We can't. Now, Jesus is really clear here. He says that the locus of our identity is going to be found somewhere outside of ourselves. That the source of our understanding of who we are is going to be found outside. We can, we can either find it in our pursuit of, of wealth, stuff that turns to dust, or we can find our identity in our pursuit of Christ. I like the way that Paul talks about it in Romans when he tells us that we are going to be a servant, either a servant to sin and death or a servant to Christ and righteousness and life. Will you serve the pursuits that lead to rust and dust? Or will we recognize today that this is not our home? We're citizens of a heavenly kingdom, and that is where our treasures must be stored. And by the way, we can't miss the promise of what comes next. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Therefore, Jesus says, always pay attention to the therefore. What is it there for? Jesus is saying, because of all that I have told you so far about pursuing heavenly treasures, not earthly treasures that turn to dust, that if you do that, Jesus says, then you will have no cause to worry. No reason for anxiety. If our treasures and our hearts are in heaven, worry is not our birthright. Peace is. We don't have to worry about our lives or our bodies. We don't have to worry about food or clothing. And in these next few verses, Jesus gives us three different examples of why we shouldn't worry. The first one, he says, look to the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus said, pay attention. Look around. Look at the way that God provides for nature. And think of how desperately God loves you. God loves you even more. We know this. It is proven. What manner of love is this that God would call us his children? What manner of love is it that God would send God's son for us? God loves us desperately. So if God takes care of the birds, God will take care of us. Jesus says, look around, pay attention, and you will see that you should trust God and not worry. Then he tells us not to worry again, but for a different reason. He says, and why do you, and and can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your span of life? We're going to come back to that in just a second. Because in verse 
28, he says, And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. Again, Jesus says, look at the nature around us. Look at the beauty of the flowers. Our God is going to provide for our needs. Trust him. Our God is going to make us beautiful like the lilies of the valley. Trust him. Jesus is calling us in this passage to choose one of two pathways. If we continue to pursue wealth, material possessions, we continue to trust ourselves, it's going to lead us to worry and anxiety. But if instead we look around and see the way that God provides for the world and choose to trust God, then worry will not be part of our lives. Let's go back to verse 27. Because here Jesus talks about not worrying, but he uses a different rationale. In the first section, he says, look around you. Look how God provides for nature. God's going to provide for you. In the last section, look around you. Look how God provides for nature. God's going to provide for you. But in the middle, in verse 27, Jesus says, and can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your span of life? Of course, the answer to that is no. Worrying doesn't add an hour, it doesn't add a moment, it doesn't add a second, but what it can do is it can rob us. Our worry and our anxiety. They can rob us of days and weeks and months and even years of our lives. Jesus says, do not give yourselves over to worry instead. Instead. Trust your Father in heaven who provides for nature, who's provided for you your whole life. And then he goes on to say this. If God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows you need these things. Jesus is telling us that there are going to be people in our sphere of influence who are going to give themselves over to worry and give themselves over to anxiety. He says, that's not who we are. And I wonder if in the course of the last few days, weeks, and months, we as citizens of this heavenly kingdom, have we allowed ourselves to be drawn into the worry and the anxiety of those around us? My guess is we have. Jesus says, don't do it. Worry and anxiety that belongs to other people, not to us. Why? Because our Father in heaven knows exactly what we need. Jesus said, Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Strive first for the kingdom of God. What is it you've been striving for? Have you been striving for material possessions? Have you been striving for career advancement? 
Have you been striving for a past that's not coming back again? Jesus tells us that all all the pursuits of our lives will turn into dust and lead us to worry. All except one. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And God will give you exactly what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And God will take care of everything else. Jesus concludes this section by saying, So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough (laughs) for today. Exist in this moment, Jesus says. For we have a mission to accomplish in this moment. But when we dream, and when we work, and when we long, let our dreaming and our working and our longing be for our home. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But instead, put your treasures in heaven, because where your treasures are, there our hearts will be also. I want to end our time by praying together. This is a a tough thing for us. We live in one of the wealthiest countries in the history of the world. The pursuit of material wealth and and of excellence in our career, which by and of, by in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing, but can cause us to fall off track if it becomes our focus. So many other things are competing for our attention. Jesus says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness." And my guess is that all of us struggle with that sometimes. So I want to invite us to pray together in this moment, asking God's forgiveness and grace into our lives and God's power to live differently. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Without your light, we wouldn't even know we walked in darkness. We give you thanks, O oh God, for showing us a better way. Lord, we confess that there have been times in all of our lives, there have been times that we have longed for the bigger and the better and the nicer and the more comfortable. Times that our priorities have Oh, they've been unholy, God. We pray that in this very moment, this holy moment of worship, that your spirit would change us. That you would forgive us for our past mistakes and give us a clarity of vision to take the step into your future, focusing on your kingdom and building up treasures in heaven. Yes, forgive us, God, for the mistakes of our past and set us free to be agents of your light and hope as we journey together towards the throne where one day we will be able to cast our crowns. For your love, your grace and forgiveness, for the opportunity found in you for new life, 
We are truly grateful, O oh God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.